Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Andrew Dominic's Blonde, the newest movie from Netflix. Joining me today to talk about it is recurring guest Elijah Howard. Elijah, thank you for joining me for this one. Thank you for having me. I think this is uh, going to be a very interesting conversation. For sure, because I mean, just the, there have already been so many conversations about this movies, and as at the time you're listening to this, it's been out for probably less than ten days, probably probably less than a week actually. If I get it edited as fast as I want to, and it's, I feel like it's uh, gone through quite a, quite a few discussions, and uh, you know, there's only so much for me to say as like a little bit of an intro to this one, and, you know, for uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you know, it's the it's it's a movie, it's the it's the newest biopic uh, t- telling the story of Marilyn Monroe, which has been done before, but I think Andrew Dominic wanted to adopt uh, Andrew. Dominic wanted to adapt Joyce Carol Oates's 2000 novel about Marilyn Monroe that, you know, maybe takes a, a few additional liberties here and there with her life, but still kind of like do his own thing with it to to, to tell this story. But he, he does it in a very, you know, interesting way where in some ways you could almost say it's, you know, a cradle to the grave biopic. And But like, I think he takes his own very different approach and it focuses on just a lot of areas of Marilyn Monroe's life that were, um, you know, Honestly, uh, diff- kind of difficult to sit with and, you know, dealing with her uh, difficult marriages or uh, touches touching on her difficult difficulties she faced with sexual assault, difficulties that she faced with uh, substance abuse and um, uh, just uh, pr- pregnancies and domestic abuse. It, it, it really kind of runs the gamut of things and uh, on, on top of kind of dealing a little bit with her her place in Hollywood. And Elijah, I guess I, I guess the part the point I would, which I wanted to start, because I'll just say, I mean, I think it's fair to, it's, it's a fair comment to make to say that you probably uh, like this movie more than a lot of the critical consensus did. And you and Elijah wrote really smartly about this movie on Letterboxd as it is girlfriend Haley, I want to add. And, and I think one thing that Elijah was very cognizant of in that write-up was that he didn't just want to spend his whole time, you know, uh, beating back what the critics had to say about the movie. And I want to make sure that's not what this podcast is about, but I think one thing that's avoidable, unavoidable when talking about this movie is just talking about what it means to be exploitative in movies. Because honestly, when you're, when you're talking about subject matter such as this and then putting it to screen, I think that that's what some people are going to comment on. And I, I, I'm kind of curious, Elijah, if, if it goes beyond that or it's something even broader, but I, I wanted to kind of leave it up to you to attack this question however, any way you want it, as opposed to me, like I usually ask someone like, oh, did you like it? Or uh, what were your expectations and did it meet them? I'm kind of curious for you, you know, or I think an interesting to start this conversation is why, and all disclaimers about how someone like you might not care for just critical consensus or aggregation like rotten tomatoes aside why do you think that the uh why do you think this movie has gotten such a negative critical response and what part of that do you find understandable because i know there i think at the same time you kind of acknowledge this isn't a movie that's for everyone you you said something that kind of just made me smile a second ago um ironically perhaps uh Mm. you know you said you said you enjoyed this movie more than most and I would I would say that's an accurate assessment. I I you know and enjoy is I, such a weird word with a movie like this. I understand right, that exactly. You, you, exactly. You, you, you I should have said you appreciated it more than most probably. Right, and that's that's kind of what I want to point out. Right, I think you know there there's a general gulf kind of in terms of how people view um, artistic mediums in general and how people view. Uh, movies specifically in terms of what kind of reaction you're supposed to have and i think it goes beyond 
you know, you could say the dichotomy is right. Like people expect enjoyment or escapism from films, but I, I really don't think it's that simple. I think it's that in, in general, people tend to view other uh, artistic mediums as places of introspection where a, um, a, a robust emotional reaction is to be expected because you are impressing upon the piece your own personal feelings right so people expect that when you when you look at a painting if it's a good painting it draws the reaction from you you are meant to you know feel things and emote and maybe it's not the happiest of relationships but it's uh you know it, it's that's expected same with music i would argue you know everybody says you know you got to feel the music you know it's, you enjoy music by you know intuiting what you put into it right people don't tend to approach film that way um and i think it's because film is a medium where uh text and subtext uh can be presented in a variety of ways where Sometimes it's more obvious to the viewer, sometimes it's less obvious, and I think sometimes people feel like, uh, you know, their reaction to something should be, uh, to a movie, should be telegraphed by what they're seeing, right? So, um, people, I think, sometimes approach film from a, from a perspective where, uh, what you see on screen is is what you get and you know it's not interactive you're not putting anything into partaking in the media um and what that leads to i think is conversations like the one surrounding this film but you know i mentioned several other films and i think broadly there's a discussion that you can have about quote-unquote miserable films but just in general the sense that if you have a visceral, uncomfortable reaction to a film, that means you shouldn't like it. And I just fundamentally disagree with that as a way to approach art in general, but specifically film. You know, I think film is, is a medium in which having a negative reaction to something can be a very potent you know, tool. And we'll obviously, we'll talk about this movie a lot. I don't, uh, this is an aside. Maybe you can, uh, we'll need to edit this out, but did you already talk about Pearl? I just don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, 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 that episode will have aired by the time people listen to this. Sure. So, I mean, spoilers for Pearl maybe feels weird to say in the middle of an episode about blonde, <laughs> but, um, obviously people are talking about Mia Goth's performance in that film and being a, you know, contender possibly for actress awards at the end of the year. And the big, you know, set piece for her is this monologue that she gives at the, at the climax of the film, which is a, like an eight or 10 minute uninterrupted single take of her just having just this psychotic blathering. Um, and it's really heartbreaking and gut wrenching. And I, when I left the theater after watching that, I said to Haley, I was like, oh my God, I hated that moment. Mm. I wanted to tear my skin off. Like it was so uncomfortable, but I loved it. 
Like huh. that reaction, the the fact that I that the movie made me feel that way, that the mu- movie could accurately communicate this the sensation of sitting in a room with a psychopath that's powerful and that i you know and and then i will bring this all back to blonde here and say that i get that people were made uncomfortable by things in this movie i totally do i get that and i get that for some people it will be a non-starter they won't want to watch or talk about it because the trauma hits too close to home i totally get that but i also think it's important to recognize that if you can get past the personal trauma that just because a movie makes you uncomfortable or makes you sad or makes you miserable is not a an immediately negative quality so i think it's really interesting that you went there because i think that does explain a lot of people's reaction to it but at the same time like there are movies about like really uncomfortable movies all the time that like are much better well critically received than this one has been and I think that also does somewhat go to this separate, related but slightly separate discussion. I want to also try and talk about a little bit about what it means to be for art to be exploitative. Um, but like as you were as you were just talking right now, I was thinking about like, well, I've I've liked films before that made me really uncomfortable, and like this one does in some ways. And I and like I like I in one one other movie that I heard talked about on a podcast in relation to this was Spencer, and just like the idea like, hey, it's another movie about a by, by a male filmmaker about a, a a prominent female figure from the 21st century or from the 20th century, and uh, not a happy film necessarily by any means, and uh, very uncomfortable at points, and maybe a few more moments of levity, but not many. Um, and like what makes someone maybe like respond more favorably to something like that than something like this. And I think like, there's not a, there's just not going to be quite as much, um, there's just not going to be quite as much, uh, uh, lurid fare to get in maybe in, 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 in a movie like that. That's also aiming to like be about something much more smaller, um, or, or, or capture a much more smaller amount of time and say a lot within capturing that amount of time, as opposed to capturing Marilyn Monroe's whole life like this is. But I think when people look at a lot of the specific content that's on screen in this movie, you know, I think I think they're having some other kind of reaction to it just beyond like, hey, I I didn't like how that made me feel. I think they're thinking like, man, I, I whatever Andrew Dominic was trying to say by putting some of this stuff on screen, I don't I I I just don't think that's it. I think that's what I think that's what a lot of the analysis I've seen has come down to. And I'm like, I I kind of get it. Like if 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 you if you're gonna sit through this stuff, you want you want this filmmaker to have something more to say, and you're not see you're not hearing what he ha- you're just you just don't think he has much interesting to say about this. And I feel like that's a little bit of what I've seen. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but like, wh- that should they just never make a movie about someone that bad things happen to again, unless there's some like brilliant insight there at the same time. And I'm not even saying he didn't have that insight here, but that's what other people are saying. And I'm like. I don't even necessarily know if that's the that's the answer there, but it's something I've been struggling with in thinking about this movie. And it's like, I, I didn't come away from it thinking like, how dare he go there? Um, and a couple a couple points, I was like, wow, he went there, and I don't even know if it worked, but I'm impressed that he was bold enough to go there. But I'm I'm kind of wondering like, you know, I I do think a lot of that a lot of those critics that are kind of like going where kind of making those leveling those critiques that I just said there, it's ultimately coming down to the fact that yeah, it's exploitative to no end. And I'm like wondering, like, just because a movie is about someone that like was exploited her whole life, I think it's probably possible to still make art about that person that's not exploitative. But like that also seems like maybe there is some kind of line you have to walk there. And I'm wondering, as you thought about that, uh, how much you've thought about that and whether or not like what makes this an exploitative or unexploitative movie? Because, again, it's about someone who is apparently just like never really stopped getting exploited by the people in her life that should have known better. Yeah, for sure. And look, I want to I think I want to say right off the bat, right, that it's important to establish in the in the context of 
art in the context of film ultimately exploitation should be the provenance of the, you know the definition or the 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 extents of exploitation should be largely defined by the people who are most affected by it right and, and it's kind of hard when you're doing that about a movie about someone that's been dead for 60 years right and and you know and that kind of there's a much broad you know and we'll get into it i'm sure there's a much broader conversation to have about like people imprinting on marilyn monroe and and uh universalizing the things that happened to her as uh you know broader based things but you know i think and 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 to get back to my point right like first of all exploitation as a philosophical you know as as a as a as a heuristic concept in film is different than exploitation as a genre right we're not talking about uh you know nazi exploitation films or black exploitation films where it is a it's a different term it's a it's a it's a definitionary term for uh a style of filmmaking uh in in this case i think we want to look at the actual definition of exploitation right which is you know the act of treating someone unfairly in order to benefit from their work um or their you know their essence whatever it may be um and I, I think, you know, you have to consider what, uh, you know, the, the different play, the ways in which, you know, we've had this conversation previously, right? Uh, it seems very frequently we get a conversation about uh, the, you know, the exploitation of the Black experience in America, the African-American experience in cinema, uh, you know, and kind of the general question of why are why are the most popular films about African Americans uh, depictions of them as slaves or depictions of them in, in poverty? Uh, it comes up, you know, for you and I in discussions of Judaism in film, right? And why are why are the most successful Jewish films all about the Holocaust? Or you know, um, well, well, it's, well, I think it's funny you, you know, mentioned that because I, well, because I, I had the thought when we were when, earlier in the earlier just a few minutes ago like as you were talking like oh well another example of a movie out there is like that like is very well received that has just a ton of trauma and uncomfortable stuff happening on the screen is steve mcqueen's 12 years a slave i couldn't help but think about that because there's just like uh, a lot a lot of scenes of sexual assault in that movie but it's something that was like pretty well received all all, all, all things considered and it's like well I, and i and that that thinking about something like that is something i had trouble rec- reconciling with while reading a lot of the criticism of blonde you know yeah, and I, you know, there's there's a lot to be said, perhaps about, like I said, kind of the the ways that people have imprinted modern uh, expectations and understandings on this story, and you know, and and, and associating the things that happened to to uh, Marilyn Monroe or the things that are at least implied to have happened uh, in the book, as represented here in the movie. That those are those are exploitative by by nature of what they represent, uh, sexual assault, uh, birth birthing trauma, things like that. Which, you know, I'm assuming this episode will probably come attached with a trigger warning. Sure, uh, it's, I thank you for least. the reminder. Yes. Um. And, and and again, I get that, and I also and I understand. Like I said, that fundamentally we should be deferential to you know people's understandings of exploitation who are the, the prime uh people to kind of 
be uh you know, to, to the people who are affected by it um in this case obviously you know we're talking about women um yeah. and but it's hard because when you talk about exploitation in the most specific sense of the word you know the way that we try and, and define it accurately and take taking advantage if you will of somebody i don't know that it necessarily lines up with this film or it lines up really with this with with this understanding of marilyn monroe in general and i mean i'm sure this is what we this is the bulk of what this you know we will probably talk about here in this podcast and i think it's it's hard because when you when you think about what it means to be fair to somebody that uh that gets very complicated in a movie like this and in a story like this where being fair you know what does that mean does that mean showing her happy moments and and you know and i think i said this in my review it's like we most people are not thinking through that supposition to the end well, if also, this movie was not exploitative in your opinion if it pre- presenting things fairly what would that look like and would that make sense right couple things there so when you say should we show her happy moments like you make the point in your review on letterbox like no you, none of you know her you being the people reading your review really like no no one knows her so when you think her happy moments like what are you thinking about really uh you know and yeah i'm sure there's more in her private life that happened that we didn't see in this movie but like if me as someone that like i mean didn't know her have not listened to that many interviews with her if any uh and i've not seen as many of her movies as i should have i'm just thinking like well like i don't know she seems like she's having a fun time and some like it hot and and then I watched this movie and I learned learned she was very much not having a fun time when she was making that movie. And uh and it's like you, you don't really know what point that would be. Uh so I think I think that's one tricky thing when trying to like kind of judge just like how they're approaching what they show in this movie. But I think one thing that is like a more fair possibly critique that I I'm I, that I want to hear that I'm that I'm that I'm that I'm there to hear out, maybe more so than just like the bad the idea yeah, they shouldn't have put that bad stuff on screen was like arguing the extent to which they didn't show her having agency in this movie and where they could have done more of that in some ways. Uh, because I mean, in just reading up on it, like I've, I've learned a, a decent bit about, about how she operated throughout her career. And I think, and, and this might be an entry way to actually talking about some of the marriages or some of the other stuff in the movie, but I thought like one of the most interesting scenes in the movie was the first one with Arthur Miller and where that's the one time you actually see her happy in the movie. And not that like he is being uh, – and not that he is being like, you know, totally selfless in that moment. Arthur Miller isn't depicted as that. He sees her – obviously, he sees probably some kind of means to an end and how she can be a stand-in for certain characters that, you know, he he has an interest in portraying and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, he engages with her in a way artistically that probably no one else really ever had, and that makes her genuinely really happy. And there's a lot that I kind of read up on her about not realizing how – you know, she was she was classically trained in some ways. She like you know really actually studied acting. She probably sought out working with a lot of great directors. She started her own production company, which is actually kind of 
fairly revolutionary for the moment at which she did it. And there was like a lot of stuff there that I, I, I just don't think really interested Andrew Dominic. And I'm wondering, like, I, I, I found myself wondering as I'm thinking about this movie, it's like, I, I, in whether or not it's, I, I don't even know if it's a matter of whether or not it's exploitative to do it this way, or it's just like, there was just a better way to tell the story is if like, you like show some of that stuff. I, I get it. Like that's not really the, the heart of the story he wants to tell, but if he, maybe it would have been a little more interesting, like, and I think there could have been room for it in a movie that's almost three hours long to maybe show a little bit more of that part of her life. And then why she couldn't see it through because of these other forces. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think you run into the kind of the structural question of, you know, while well, this movie was super long, but also it, it like you kind of intimated earlier, it is, pretty much quite literally cradle to grave i mean it starts with her mm-hmm. as a <laughs> as little more than a toddler and mm-hmm. uh ends with her her death so um spoilers spoiler uh, man <laughs> uh, yeah, so sorry if you didn't know where marilyn monroe's been the last 60 years <laughs> yeah um I, I hate to be glib about it but yeah um yeah and i mean i think i like i said and, and you know and we kind of just mentioned it's like her happy moments are are quite few and far between um you know we talk about well she was smart she was classically trained she had acting ambitions and people talk about those things as if they would make for a balance um and i think first of all i think those things are shown there's several moments or even before she meets arthur miller where she tries to insert her knowledge into a moment and is you know, shot down. She tries to assert her, uh, you know, her ambition and is shot down. Um, I don't think those things are mutually, you know, ex- uh, exclusive to sorrow or, or, you know, or inclusive to happiness. I think you can be classically trained. You can be, uh, you can be knowledgeable about your field. You can be ambitious and you can still be sad and you can still be exploited and you um you can still be abused and i think that is part and parcel to this movie i think that's all part of what the you know the the broader question that's going on here and i think you know i i i am not going to spend any time here you know downplaying marilyn monroe's successes um she was she was wildly successful in her day um and obviously her image has been enduring in a way that you can't help but feel she probably had some part in even though we now know how much of her image was shaped by exploitation um you know nevertheless she clearly had some degree of agency in setting all of that up she started her own studio, yes. Um, you know, at, at a time in which pretty much the only other example of that was like Desi Lou, you know, De- Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball's, you know, studio, kind of a uh, at least partially female-run independent studio. But um, I, I think sh- trying to, like I said, if you play this conversation out to its logical conclusion of you know well what are we, what if if we do want to shake this up how do we represent it i just don't think it makes much sense ultimately 
showing her as having more agency doesn't negate the fact that she ultimately lost a lot of her uh, status due to exploitation by outside forces and slowly descended into uh, you know misery and drug abuse and killed herself and I think you know showing her as being successful and not as being successful that's I mean the film does show her as being successful obviously um, but it, showing her as being a person who is contented and in control of her life I, I think it's generally a falsehood, even if there are moments of that that are accurate through her life. Um, I think it's a, I think it would be a disservice to the overall pale of her life if there were these hard cut detours to show to to normalize, quote unquote, normalize her life and you know make her look. Uh, happy at parts yeah i yeah i think you made some comment towards the beginning there of, of uh your point just now about like uh, trying to like people maybe think they need to include that stuff to strike some kind of balance or something and i definitely don't necessarily i wouldn't take it that far at least for me because like yeah i don't need to see like yeah here is a lot more of her being happy and then here's like just as much of her being sad i i don't I, and, and i it, that does seem like it's kind of what some people might have wanted that are pretty critical about the way that the dominic's level of interest in her uh, actual career accomplishments and all that uh, i wouldn't necessarily go there i just thought it, i mean honestly i just think it might have been it, it might have kind of helped him accomplish his goals even more to kind of like show that stuff being snatched away from her whereas we don't we never even really get a sense of that part of her life and i and i think there, there's some way to give a sense of that in a movie this long without necessarily like going too far down and throwing off the structure which is obviously very 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 intentional in how he structured this movie i i like i, I can't help but like well actually I know I don't know if this is the best place to go from there, but like one thing I kept thinking of was I was not sure because and it's it's and I I didn't know till after I watched the movie that it wasn't really it wasn't really based on much, but the the Charlie Chaplin Jr. and Eddie Robinson Jr. thing was like in them being in a some kind of polyamorous relationship. Like I I I kind of struggled with like what I really what what should I be getting out of this? And I'm like I I feel like I if you the movie the the more the more parts of the movie that I found more powerful really don't lose much if you take all of that out. So I, I found myself kind of thinking that and kind of wishing like, hey, maybe I could have like explored, you know, taken a, taking 20 minutes there and just explored a little bit more about her career or something like that might have done a little bit more for me. But I'm wondering like, so I know it's not exactly a smooth transition from where we just were, but I'm wondering, did you get something out of that part of the movie more than like maybe what meets the eye for a lot of other people? Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> This is I, this is one of these track kind of is I'm not and I'm not saying this is your fault necessarily. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is kind of one of these trap moments, right? Where it's like the the immediate obvious answer is like, well, yeah, of course, it's because her the way that this movie is structuring her life is around her relationship with men. Yeah, and, all, and, and around and, her her, her know, father, her, and then those guys had daddy issues too, or whatever, possibly. Right, but you know, it's it, it, I think that's that that's the kind of the easy way out um fundamentally i think you have to look at kind of what the quote-unquote the marriages represent mm -hmm. um you know there's kind of there, there's obviously her marriage to joe dimaggio her marriage to arthur miller but i think before those there is this kind of unofficial marriage to uh charlie chap to cat you know cast chaplin and and eddie robinson 
and um you and know, she actually you... was married she was married like once like even earlier in her life and so I she don't was know. she was nor she was married to uh god i forget what his name is last name is baker right i think because yeah yeah uh... what guy's name no just someone named james Do- doherty but yeah james doherty okay so Do- yeah dart not baker yeah doherty um Right, and they had a very uh, quick, and that was before I think she even became uh, really an Marilyn actress. Yeah, yeah or, she Mar- was. Yeah, that that was before I believe her first her first real performances. Um, yeah, before before any of her first real acting credits, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, but yeah, I mean, even if if this is a work of fiction in terms of her relationship with with Cass and and Eddie. It, to me you have to dig a little bit deeper than that right it's it is if the film is giving you the structure of you know here are these three relationships that kind of define the exploitation that she faces in her life and and the uh, the kind of depression and uncertainty it's it's really it's kind of a straight narrative right it's you the first one is this is the build up it's you know the first time that she's ever felt free you know free to be herself is around these these guys at a time when um, she is more publicly becoming Marilyn, she's like one of the few places she still feels comfortable being normal right exactly and their relationship is very important for kind of setting that groundwork for uh, you know, we could say the the daddy issues, but it's more it's more generally, and this is getting into the larger feeling that I had about the film, kind of the universal idea of like the value of life, <laughs> and uh, you know the the how how much we'll we'll get there i guess i was going to say how much you know, how much misery a person is necessarily meant to endure um but it's a, it's an important step because it it gives her this you know this kind of uh this kind of shattering if you will of like she has the ability to make her own identity which Cass and and Eddie are almost jealous of right that they feel like they were born into their own identities because they're children of great of famous people and so their their identities have been pre-selected for them so there's a sort of jealousy in a way a playful jealousy at least with with Marilyn because she is she's able to make her own identity make her own way but as with all the other chapters it or, you know, a kind of generally speaking, it ends with a pregnancy. It ends with her being brought back down to earth and kind of having this, this realization that her constructed identity is no more real than her own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in a way it's already begun to dissociate you know they take her to see there uh when she tells Cass and Eddie that she's pregnant their response is to like drive her down 
uh, sunset or wherever they are to see the giant glowing, you know, Marilyn Monroe poster. And it's, it's almost like a threat in a way, right? <laughs> like she's, she's being threatened with the idea that these, these things can't coexist. The, the more personal parts of her uh, are, are not, you know, in, in this, I, identity that she has created are not compatible with each other and of course it gets into the whole there's a whole other conversation to have right about what the what the pregnancies mean and how they reflect her desires and whatnot Uh, but i'll give give you a minute to get in (laughs) well i mean yeah i mean i i I, you know i I think it all actually is tied together nicely because i mean i think that that corner of the film nothing else is i i think while I kind of referred to it before, something that I thought might have been kind of disposable, I do think it does have value and just kind of showing, look how this was just an example of just a a struggle she was going to have with the rest of her life and like figuring out just like, honestly, like when she could be herself. And I, and honestly, the normal part of her, like had some desire to be a mother. And, uh, but like, and as we talked about before, like, even if we didn't see that much of her professional side of her life, she obviously, we know, and if anyone that does any research on her can quickly find out, like she had other ambitions and that's a understandable, like push pull that like people are going to like deal with at that point in life. And I, I or deal with when they're, when, when they're in that line of work, particularly in that point in time when, you know, a lot, a lot of different, uh, pressures working against anyone that might just go, uh, any woman that might just go and decide to have a family and want to try and get back into show business or whatever. It's probably something that a lot of them struggled with. And I think it's, it, it, so I think the, I do think like it's something that's going to be on the mind of anyone kind of watching this movie was like, okay, well, like, yeah, like just how much did it must've really mattered to her that she like wanted to be a mother. But then I think one thing that like, I mean, I think you obviously addressed pretty head on when you wrote about it and I couldn't help but like, think about but maybe not think about the way a lot of people are thinking about it was just like how it does depict these pregnancies and i think it's again i think it it, it's important to uh engage with that idea in light of the fact that like this character i mean just like is, is is going through that and like what does it mean the way they choose to put that on screen here and like i'm not gonna lie it was very off-putting during the movie to me and not but like not in i think some of the ways that you were addressing when you wrote about it like i i never like crossed my mind to think wow this is is this a is this a is this a pro-life movie and that wasn't like a that that did not cross my mind for a second it was more just like what is the utility in just like having a talking fetus for like so much of the movie that was more like me struggling with that as opposed to anything if if anything i I came down more on the side of like yeah this is probably a pretty pro-choice movie because this is looking like a very harrowing experience for her that's very much out of her hands and i'm 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 kind of curious like uh i i i i honestly don't even feel the need to like lend that much lend all that much credence to the um to the people that are like criticizing it for like being pro-life at all. It, it just didn't come. Yeah. Maybe some of that imagery is what triggered that with some people. Cause I mean, heck, like if you drive around Florida enough, you're going to see those fetuses that look not that dissimilar from the one in this movie on billboards. Saw plenty of them driving up to Gainesville this weekend. Um, it, it's just a thing, but like, I, I am curious, like, what do you think of that artistic choice that Dominic made? Cause I know, I mean, I, I, the colorist and cinematographer and you, I'm sure has plenty of thoughts on the way he framed this movie, but like, and we haven't really gotten any of that yet, but like that, that's a very bold choice that he made right there. And a movie that's otherwise is largely black and white. The way he like handled that fetus is like, is, is a choice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. Andrew Dominic is, I mean, look, you, his, personal you know his personality and whatever especially the you know the way that he's kind of re- behaved and reacted 
uh, you know, over the press cycle of this movie is suspect it, for sure. Yeah, it leaves something but, to be desired, even if you like this movie more than the mean. But, but all that aside, um, he he's a very interesting filmmaker in that he kind of this is sort of the way that he does things. He does sort of approach things rather head on. Um, and you know, in, in a movie like Assassination of Jesse James, which I absolutely adore and I think was part of the reason why I was so apt to, you know, uh, you know, uh, flag this film as one that I wanted to talk about well before it came out, you know, with you. It that movie also approaches uh its subject head on, but in such a way that feels more uh specific, right? Because Assassination of Jesse James is all you know this is a 12 year old uh, actually mm-hmm. 15 15 year old movie uh now so it's not really spoiling anything or whatever but yeah they uh, <laughs> you can say whatever you want about the assassination of jesse james yeah, right it's 15 years old right i'm just trying to think of the best way to talk about a 15 year old movie in, in a podcast without necessarily spoiling anything but uh it's a movie that's about you know the the idea of the the american myth and the Amer- the myth of the american west and kind of tearing down uh the imagery of a, of a period and um you know and, and the legacy of the of the quote unquote heroes and villains of that period. And in doing so it adopts a very specific style. Uh, it's made to look and feel like a kind of hazy, you know, smeared glass memory of, of this past time period. So I, I wasn't surprised necessarily by the way, Dominic approached, you <laughs> know, the, the things in this movie like that. It, there's a sort of campiness to it. Uh, in a sort of in in a kind of on the noseness, if you will, uh, with the way that it was uh, done, but it's yeah. I mean, look, it could have been executed better. It could have been executed. I would say, perhaps you know, quote unquote, more artistically. I, I, well, I, I mean, I, I, well, I don't even know what that when you're like dealing with the talking fetus uh, that becomes your narrator for uh, like stretches of the movie. Like, I don't know if there's like a. I'm not even sure if there's a way like. I would just say to do it better. You know what I mean? That's it's it's, a, it's a, such a bizarre choice. It, it works to the extent that anyone necessarily thinks it works. I'm like, so I'm not necessarily telling him like, hey, you need to like render that talking fetus differently visually, or you need to like wholly change what you're doing there. It's just like a choice and yeah. And I mean, I think if we want to talk about what the what the fetus represents, um, I, I think this is a point of inflection for what I've mentioned right at the beginning, right? Which is like sometimes people just don't seem to be wanting to put much into a movie. And I'm I was a little bothered by the way people kind of approached it in some of the reviews. And it's just sort of like, guys, like really the talking fetus is exactly what it is. It's just a talking fetus. Like I find it incredibly hard to believe that with everything else in this movie being as psychologically and as you know as dense as it is an image that the talking fetus is just her fetus actually talking to her mm. um so for me it was just a, it was another psychological tool right it's another tool to i don't think the fetus was actually talking to her uh and i think that's <laughs> frankly in my opinion i think that's backed up by the film itself the fetus says to her you know um uh you know, it says, it says something like weirdly cryptic and eldritch, like I am the same fetus as the one before, which to me should be enough evidence that this is clearly not her actual fetus talking to her. But in my opinion, rather kind of a piece of her psyche, another one of her 
you know, another one of her deep-seated psychological fears, you know, uh, kind of surfacing and and giving her pause, right? Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think it was literally her fetus talking to her. <laughs> and... Oh, yeah, no, I, I I didn't necessarily think, think we were totally supposed to be, and don't, don't they, like, make a, isn't there some other allusion to the fact that it's, like, the same, it's technically the same fetus again, as if, and, as it, like, um, even though, like, you know, there's, like, multiple abortion scenes and, like, another miscarriage beyond that, I, so I, I didn't necessarily take it to be, like, one of these particular fetuses was in an ongoing dialogue with her at all. It was just, it, it, it was just, you know, again, I'm not even saying it was off-putting to me in the way that this movie was off-putting to some other people. I'm just, like, that was the one moment where I'm like, ah, oh, that's, I'm not really sure if I'm, like, if if he he's really if he's really getting get getting what he wants to get out of this you know uh it's like it, yeah. it's almost like it's such a visual departure that is people are going to focus more on that than whatever he's trying to convey with it you know um, right it doesn't yeah stylistically it didn't necessarily match with everything else um and i think that's yeah that's part of i think the concept of a fetus representing marilyn's fractured psyche uh you know trying to guilt her into uh you know kind of feeling uh fe feeling feeling bad for her own life um feel or feeling Ooh. feeling feeling uh what's the word i'm looking for feeling um at fault for her own life if you will uh that i think that is in concept a good idea it could have been executed in a more stylistically uniform way i will agree with that Speaking of uh, trying to make her feel bad for her own life, what did you think about the Joe DiMaggio of it all? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was uh, harrowing, definitely. Bob Bobby Cannavale was great. Um, I I like that portrayal. I I um, yeah, maybe this is a good point to kind of mention, right? Like I something that I said in my review is that what I personally felt is that when we do portray Marilyn Monroe's life, there's a tendency to make melodrama from it. I think my week with Marilyn's a great example. Like, I don't think that's a bad film, but that is primarily, first of all, a film seen through a man's perspective. And second of all, uh, you know, a movie that turns Marilyn Monroe's personal struggles into theater, into kind of this, uh, you know, sumptuous drama um, instead of being fairly accurate to it and um, or, or fairly accurate to kind of maybe the true horror of it. Um and the, and something that goes part and parcel to that in discussions is this common sort of belief that I see, which is that like Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe had a turbulent marriage, but ultimately Joe DiMaggio really loved her, and you know he was he, he was such a romantic soul. He never remarried. He never took another lover. He you know he he professed his love to Marilyn till the day his he died. His, his wiki, his wiki, the, the relationships, the personal life section of his Wikipedia page, like. It reads like it was edited by like one of his family members or something like that. Which maybe it was, but I, you know, I don't <laughs> think it's just, it's not exclusive to Wikipedia. That's generally been the oh, perception okay. of his, you know, of his relationship with Marilyn Monroe. And I was glad that this movie finally showed. It's like, nah, the dude was just an asshole. Like <laughs> he never, he never liked Marilyn Monroe. He never liked Norma Jean. He liked the image. The minute that she starts talking about anything personal to herself, he just tunes out. And I thought that was a very, uh, very uh, edgy in a good way portrayal of Joe DiMaggio, somebody who is kind of generally considered to be an American hero 
I'm pretty, I'm pretty, well, I made that, I made that comment out the Wikipedia. And I'm, again, I'm sure that was sourced from other places. I'm pretty sure it says something about the fact that like, you know, well, after they had divorced, like he went to therapy and really figured some stuff out. And then he got involved again at the end of her life. And I'm like, and I don't even know if the movie like is even really commenting on like whether or not any of that's true, but it's like, it just doesn't have an interest in going there. Cause it's like, I don't know if he really deserves them to have the time to go there. Like, you know, like, sure. like just like claiming her body and like burying it himself and not letting, literally letting anyone else around it afterward. That's, I mean, that, that's, which is seems by all accounts, from what I understand, that's by all accounts, it's kind of like how he did it after kind of coming back into her life, like right at the end, like he, like that, that, that's not like necessarily like heroic in a way, like even if he did actually work on himself, like that's, that, that's pretty irrelevant for the purposes of her story. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I think an exploitative film would have made that would have made a romantic that connection. Thing. Yeah, would yeah. have made it a, you know, would, would it have gotten lost in the sauce on that one and trying to portray Joe DiMaggio as more complex uh, than he necessarily needs to be for this story. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, kind of it it sort of. I, I, yeah, may I, you know, I think it's uh one of those things, right? Where it's just, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's I, a again, weird I, thing to be like super jazzed about. <laughs> like, yeah, I hate Joe DiMaggio. I obviously don't as a Yankees fan. I don't hate Joe DiMaggio, but um, you know, I, uh, I I do think that was a moment where I'm like, yeah, like put that in your pipe and smoke it. People who are saying this is a you know. Like this movie is more accurate to that reality of her life than I think a lot of other depictions of her and Joe DiMaggio right. have been. Well, I think it also, yeah, it kind of goes to something that Haley was saying a little bit in the review that she wrote where she's like, look, if people are trying to like romanticize this and like ma ma make this out to be like something that's not or like being exploitative in some other way to kind of like funnel in all their feelings here in a way that's like really like not that's more exploitative than any, than a lot, of, than a lot of the things the movie does by just kind of like being true to life and maybe setting the record straight on some of these people that like, I mean, honestly probably ha haven't really gotten their uh, comeuppance for uh, you know, how they treated her. And I think it, so I, I mean, I, I think that's more, more power to him for going there with that. I think it's, um, I'll hold off on the JFK thing for a minute, but like, I think that uh, I, I, I think, I think, I think that was like more than fair. If people want to like read nice things about Joe DiMaggio, there's, there's just plenty, there's just plenty of other places to go do it, but the movie doesn't really have an obligation to like, romanticized parts of her life that honestly are truly pretty dark you know so i totally agree um i i, I don't even know if there's much, a ton else to add on the arthur miller stuff because i kind of touched on it a little bit earlier but i am curious i mean uh, apart from like uh, the professional stuff in her career uh that like i already alluded to that i could have used a little more of i thought that the movie uh was kind of uh a little ambiguous as to like what kind of like as to like his role in the deterioration of the relationship um and maybe there's not a lot to really go off of there i'm but like i, I it, it was at that point in the movie where uh it kind of like she kind of went off and seemed like she was some having some of her own issues and it kind of got a little bit more in her head and that was when a lot of some of the pregnancy stuff was going on too and i was just like well the the arthur miller stuff like again like that first scene i really appreciated it but i'm like you know, if they're if their whole if if he was just as likable in that first scene as he was in their whole relationship, I also enjoyed the Adrian Brody, Adrian Brody performance. Though I don't really know enough about him to know how accurate it was. I think it served its purpose pretty well. But like I, I was kind of like, well, I'm I doubt that like he was just like 
just an innocent bystander as she was having this breakdown at the same time. And maybe he, I don't know, like I, I, I kind of left myself wanting a little more as to like his role and like how that went South, because I thought it was so interesting how it started. I don't know if you had any other just thoughts on that, on that marriage and what the movie did or didn't do there. But I, I was kind of curious what else you were thinking. Cause that was kind of like my one takeaway from that. Yeah. I mean, Adrian Brody's great. Uh, always happy to see him in, in serious roles. Uh, he's an interesting actor and just not to get too sidetracked here, but it's like, he turns in like a great performance every like eight years. And then in between, there's just a bunch of filler crap that nobody ever watches, but um, I'm glad. He's he great. In, like his... the two episodes of succession he did last season. I'll give him yeah, that. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad he had his moment in this, but um, yeah, it's weird. It's definitely a weird, thing historically speaking because the time you know the way that this movie plays with time and the compression of time uh it's hard to kind of gauge the length of their relationship and how you know sort of the uh how the how the how the timeline sort of works uh or you know and, and i think something that sort of is that the movie doesn't necessarily illustrate the the best way is that there was not much time between the end of their relationship and Marilyn Monroe's death. Mm. Um, that it was like a, a year and change later after they got divorced um, and that they were married for a fairly decent amount for a pretty long amount of time, like five or six years. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was 61. They got divorced and she died in 62. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it, and you know, the, the, the film kind of gives equal credence to their relationship as it does to DiMaggio or any, anybody else. Um, when in reality, you know, they were together for a, a fair amount of time, but I think that's sort of the point is that time gets compressed because it's, it's time in Marilyn's life where she's happy maybe, but completely stagnant. She at that point had, had decided like, I don't, I don't need Hollywood anymore. Um, and I'm going to go, well, you know, start cooking and live on a, you know, live in this little cottage and just try and be happy. And she certainly did, did some work and did some impressive work and whatnot. But um, well, he's not really in the movie all that much when like during those sequences about during the production of some like it hot, like it almost the movie almost kind of framed it as like him being gone at that point right. and she's there Which with is... uh, and, and, and she's there with um the uh the makeup artist for, Toby yeah. Huss. right right i love toby Huss. um and i in so it was almost i almost because i i just i i wasn't I, I wasn't going back and forth to wikipedia as much as like i might normally during a movie like this so i didn't realize that at the time i was like oh like i i kind of assumed he was gone at that point and uh in that she was kind of like just being handled by these other different people so i mean I, again i don't think that's like a, a bat and that was one thing i maybe wanted a little more of but like i don't uh, again, if, if, if it's just a matter of maybe if, if she really was struggling to the extent that she was at that time, yeah, probably he was probably a little more absent doing his own thing because he was a pretty busy guy in and of, in and of his own right. But like, I, I, I guess I, I, I just didn't realize that was the kind of the timeline as I was watching the movie, you know, and it, yeah. again, it's, 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 it's not, it's not like a huge demerit necessarily, but like, I, like you said, like, it, it seems like there was a lot more um there, there there was just a lot more to that relationship probably than there was to the joe dimaggio one uh even if like he might have been a little more directly more uh he was directly more abusive and that might the marriage itself might have been a, more of a source of trauma with respect to dimaggio like miller was around a lot compared to him probably and you wouldn't have really known it exactly by watching this so 
Yeah. And I mean, their relationship did taper off in its final years, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for kind of for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but the movie kind of shows it's sort of a, a different sort of abuse, which I mean, that's not like a broken record. Right. But it's like his is not necessarily the the in your face kind. It's not even necessarily the in the directly intentional kind. It's sort of the the abusive absence. He, you know, he he's Miller's sort of a man in his own world, and he he doesn't really see Marilyn for who she is or what she is. And in a way, he's as complicit in her demise as anybody else. Um I think in reality there was actually I think John Houston, I want to say I read at some point, John Houston chastised Arthur Miller um like for the fact that he just like let her do drugs and he let doctors sort of take over her her health and life mm. um and it's one of those things where it's like it's hard because it's like okay at one at, on one side that sounds super you know paternalistic and patronizing right to be like like how dare you let this woman make choices for herself um but at the same time Probably shouldn't have made those choices. Yeah, well, and they're they're married, and it is you know I I think I don't think it's totally unfair to say that as a spouse you have a responsibility to your partner to you know to care for their health, um, and to try and be present in their life in their life, um, and I think. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, well, sorry, I, 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 I thought you were done. I was going to make another point. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. That's, well, I, was, I, I honestly had a little hard, trouble like focusing the last like two minutes there because I kind of all of a sudden felt really bad because I realized we've been talking about this movie for coming up on an hour now, and I don't know if I actually said Anna Darmus's name once. Um, and that feels particularly uh, offensive on my part uh, just because, like, man, this is a movie where, like, I think she poured a lot of herself into it and uh, had to have been a had to have been a really a. Uh, um, had to have been a really tough shoot, not because of anything the filmmakers did wrong, but because of just like everything she had to put herself through based on like, you know, what the movie called for. And I think it was a pretty inspired casting choice in the first place to, you know, cast a petite Cuban woman to play uh, a uh, Marilyn Monroe, who, I mean, was just like a, you know, a a buxom blonde American woman. Um, and I so it, it kind of like a lot of people were kind of intrigued by that casting at the time and like, how, how would that go? And I'm 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 curious to see what you think because i don't know if they necessarily even like uh because i i do think it's i do think it's a good performance and i'm wondering what you thought what you thought about it because it's like one i think there's an interesting choice where it's like i don't even know if they all that tried all that much to like change her accent at certain points in the movie even if she's putting on the Marilyn monroe voice at other times so it's interesting in that way and what they they obviously had to do a lot physically but like there's just a lot that went into it and i i feel like we need to at least give her some her her due for a little bit because i I honestly don't even know if i said her name when i introed the movie which is just i mean bad job by me but like well uh let's say the generous take right would be that she is so good that she blends into the role in such a way that it's hard to even you know separate the two when talking about it and i i mean i would that's what i would go with like Anna right. and I, I don't, disappear I, yeah, I don't, into this role right and I, I mean obviously you had other stuff on your mind when you were writing about it i'm not sure if you talked about her that much at all either in the review that you wrote so like i mean i want to make sure we do so i i am curious it sounds like you thought that like she was Marilyn. she was uh she transformed in the way you would want someone to in a movie like this and it seems like you think that's the case 
Yeah. My, so my thing is, I, and so I'll, I'll ape a point from Haley, actually. Haley brought this up, and I think I, I pretty much completely agree with it. The kind of, let's say, bold choice to pick a woman who clearly is not necessarily the exact physical type or ethnic type uh, for, for Marilyn Monroe, um, I think it was intentional. Um, and Haley hmm. pointed out that it, it kind of enhances and heightens the alienation, right? There's even a scene where she talks to Arthur Miller about, I think, the first time they meet uh, and kind of have like a one-on-one discussion. She mentions uh, that in his previous play, or in a, in a play that he was, I can't remember. I think it's a play. It, no, it's in it's in the play that she's auditioning for. The character of Magda is one who feels out of place in her own world because she has a different accent that she gets taunted for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of that was an intentional call out, and I think it's part of why Anadarmus works so well in this role because she invokes the character in in an amazing fashion but she still feels out of place um much like marilyn monroe herself right uh perhaps we would say i i think there is something interesting to be said about not going for 100 percent recreation i there's a there's a dialect a film dialect coach named Eric Singer, um, who's kind of, he's gotten to some degree of like internet fame because I think Wired or Vice or one of those YouTube channels has done like a series of videos with him kind of talking about, uh, you know, analyzing different actors, uh, vocal performances in films, mm-hmm. um, accent performances. And something that he's keyed into is, some or something, you know, that he's mentioned before is the idea of throwing out uh, or, or the process of throwing out the idea of an exact duplication of a of a of a care of a person's voice and accent and going for an an evocation going for capturing the timbre and the um the personality of the voice rather than the, the necessarily 100% accurately getting the voice it's funny I, I mentioned i mentioned spencer earlier though i think the other pablo rain film that came to mind would be in discussing this would be jackie and i think some people might have criticized natalie portman for just kind of going for the imitation thing in that movie though i don't really find that performance problematic at all in my opinion but i think some people mentioned that when they were discussing that movie well, I think Ben, our friend Ben Lubin, actually had a lot to say about that one. Yeah, came out. And I think it was. I think it was really more the other way around that she spent perhaps too much time trying to nail the exact specific. No, 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 yeah, that's Jackie's, what I was saying. Yeah, that's what Jackie's I was saying. accent that it that it it lost some of the personality, the performance. The one that I always point to is the Social Network, um, mm-hmm. and Jesse Eisenberg's performance is Mark Zuckerberg, because mm-hmm. he doesn't sound anything like Mark Zuckerberg. Right. His vo- his vocal you know register his accent none of it's the same and yet he's perfect because he gets the he gets the the inflection he evokes the person in a way that feels honestly way more intensely accurate than maybe if somebody was really doing the oh mr senator uh you know we put ads in our video you know whatever like you know if somebody had gone a hundred percent on <laughs> with uh you know with doing uh zuckerberg's accent i don't know that that performance would have been as good and i think that's kind of the point here that we've seen so many interpretations of marilyn monroe where 
you know, Michelle Williams is doing her, you know, trying to put her, trying trying to get her accent just right, or, you know, it, it, it's, and there's, there's no shame in that. It's good. But what I liked here is that I think Anna Darmus did a flawless job blending uh, her own voice um, with enough of Marilyn Monroe's personality to really create an evocative performance. Mm. The the breathiness is there. The um the the kind of imposed self self-imposed childlike innocence is there. So she doesn't have the, you know, a hundred percent accurate uh you know well southern california fake southern accent you know i feel like she still has a fairly accurate or authentic feeling performance that that evokes marilyn quite uh quite efficiently and i think it just it Speaking to oh, larger yeah, yeah, effect, no, it builds I, I, it builds into I think her performance was amazing. I think it, you know, she it, it was so um intense and uh I, I hesitate to use the word physical in a performance like this, you know, it definitely kind of puts a bad taste in my mouth, but I, I think it's true, like just there is there is a kind of posture and a kind of a kind of self positioning that um, I think I thought it was amazing that she was able to do that alongside the vocal performance. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to add. I to your analysis on the vocal performance, I just found it interesting that like I even picked up on that at a couple of points on my own before even reading about it with other people. But then it just it didn't bother me like when I was like, oh, it is that that's that does that does that sound more like Anna Darmus than whatever I would think Marilyn Monroe would sound like? Again, I haven't listened to a lot of interviews like with her like that. Like I had a, a thought about that here and there, but like it it didn't stick with me at all. Like I think like you said, it was captivating enough on its own and evocative of something that you're not really like focusing that much on specifically how the voice sounds. It doesn't ultimately matter that much at the end of the day. And I think it's a testament to the rest of the performance that like she gets that, she gets to that point, but like, it's, you know, who knows? And like, I mean, it, it would just be like, when you think about everything else she goes through in this movie, it would just be like ridiculous if she spent like hours per day with a dialect coach, like we're not even a dialect coach. just like a, uh, just watching tape of Marilyn trying to mimic something like it is, it just would not be as good of a use of her time when she has so much else going on and so much else that she has to do. And uh, I think that she, she pulls that off and like, you know, like uh, really, really goes through the ringer physically in this thing. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's truly impressive. And I'm, uh, and it's that like, again, like aside from the voice thing, like to not get caught up on like the physical thing either. And just that like, you know, the, the, like you kind of mentioned, like when you're talking earlier about how, like you think it was pretty intentional to just go, go away from that, even if that's the choice, like, you know, I, you don't really see anyone really, I haven't seen too many people really criticizing her that much for her performance as much criticism in this movie has got. It seems like she's actually gotten fairly universal acclaim, even from people that didn't particularly like the movie that much. Like they're all, no, no one's issue is her. It's like, I, I think it's, pretty impressive to like come out of that 
when like you could in in a way you could easily see some people getting hung up on any physical differences she has between herself and the actual person and she and i don't i don't think a lot of people are and i and i certainly didn't and i think that's uh again uh just shows how talented of an actress she is and that it's pretty impressive the kind of range she's shown in the last just in the last few years and she's really become uh, uh you know a bigger a bigger uh, a bigger presence in hollywood and it's um i I, I mean, I, I hope that it, just her showing that she can do this gives her like, you know, lots of other opportunities to do other things. Um, well, I, I get, you know, one of the last things I wanted to ask you about, Elijah, we still didn't talk that much about the look of the movie. And I thought you wrote pretty well in your review about, you know, just a lot of things Dominic does to place her at the, at, at the center of this frame and literally in almost every frame of the movie. And uh, in that it, it's, it's a slightly different way of, you know, like shooting a biopic necessarily. And, I, I think that also kind of at the same time does go hand in hand with the fact that like I, and this is in again I think like uh, Haley might deserve some kind of co-host credit for this podcast if I keep referencing her review again but she did, she she did kind of note how there are certain moments of this where she she actually didn't necessarily think it was male gazy at all which you might uh, be worried about when you hear like you know one some of the quotes he's given on the press tour some of the overall criticisms of the movie the fact the whole NC seventeen rating of it all like you could have necessarily thought of that too but like I think you know aspect ratios aside like i think like a lot of this stuff is shot in some kind of way where it's like you know it's very clear what he's going for and how intentional he is and how talented he is as a filmmaker that a lot of the i think a lot of the word content in here doesn't feel exploitative in the way that some might expect and i think even some of the people that have criticisms of this movie uh, might agree with it in that way where it's like you know i mean basically like any scene that is like, you know, uh, physically revealing where Anna Del Armas is having to actually take her clothes off. Like it's not coming across as something that's titillating. And I think that that is something that's like a, you know, a testament to the choices he's making where I think a lot of people might've been worried that like something like this might've gone wrong. So uh, you can, you, you can go anywhere you want to go with this, but I'm just curious just to give you a chance to put your cinematographer hat on as we normally do. when you're on these podcasts, I'm wondering, was there something that like really, because th that was one of the things that struck out, that stuck out to me was that like, he is very, very being very deliberate here and none of this feels like uh anything that's sexy at all it's like all serves a very specific purpose and i think he he did a really good job in that regard and that was one of the things that really struck jumped out to me visually with this movie which obviously has a ton going on visually and i don't know if we have time to talk about everything so again i would direct some people back to your letterbox review but was there anything here that you wanted to highlight as far as like wow i mean i knew andrew dominic was a good filmmaker but i was really impressed with him doing and how he did he did that um yeah, I mean, I I think we all kind of knew based on the trailer, right, that the aspect ratio was going to play a role in the film, um, you know, and that it was at least going to not be your pretty standard uh, 235, 239, whatever aspect ratio, 16 by 9 uh, for, for general consumption, you know, your normal stuff that you're watching. But I didn't necessarily expect him to take it as far as he did. Um, in terms of sort of breaking and messing around with aspect ratio, um, because it's it does a lot more than just flip between you know the four three kind of pillar boxed quote unquote square aspect ratio that people you know are familiar with and the two three five widescreen aspect ratio. It it does a lot more than that. It jumps to four by five. If it jumps to uh, you know, one by to actual one by one, it jumps to two to three, you know, it jumps to these different weird aspect ratios um, just for moments. And 
I think for me, it definitely evoked this sense of uh, posterization, if you will, of of sort of evoking the sense of this is how we know Marilyn Monroe. Like I said, and like you alluded to, you know, when you mentioned in my review earlier, it's like nobody alive today knows Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> uh, nobody, uh, you know, there is probably a handful of people who are alive today who had any kind of significant interaction with her during her lifetime. And what I think is being conveyed by those changes in aspect ratio and by those, there's a lot of tableaus of famous images, right? Uh, magazine covers, photo spreads, scenes from movies that are recreated um, pretty fairly faithfully. Um, I think what's being illustrated there is this idea that it's like this this is how we have interacted with this woman. And this is the most that we can really know um, is what existed in those images and in those moments that we can see. And we have books about her. We have other pieces of media. We have secondhand accounts. We have firsthand accounts. But fundamentally, this woman's life to the people living today has been largely defined by images by moments um and i think that's what's being conveyed right with the visuals of this film there's a lot of iconography in the movie and i think it's all in service of this notion that like this is for better or for worse this is how we know marilyn monroe and what gets you know blended into that then is these moments of of pure terror and agony and i think it's a challenge to the viewer right to say like you know you this is how you know marilyn monroe but if these if these other things happen to her and some of them are obviously more deeply rooted in 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 true history than others but uh nevertheless all of them i think i would say everything in this movie is at least something that's been discussed or hypothesized or conspiracy theoried about right you know theorized about then what what does that really say about our relationship with her in in today's day and age if this is how we view her life and there's all these horrible things that happened in her life what why are we still romanticizing and uh capitalizing on this idea of her life and yeah, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. Also, one other thought I had when hearing you talk about that was like, when you think of like iconic images of her, how many of them involve other people? Um, yeah, you know, right. Almost like, none. <laughs> like you really just think of her being not even not even necessarily just the like the, the pinup girl or the you know the subway vent scene or anything like that. Like I f- I feel like whenever I've seen like any kind of still image of her, it's just by herself. And so it's 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 interesting that like the way like I think. I mean, he manages to like use those aspect ratios in a way that like makes her seem even more isolated than someone else otherwise would if they're on a frame of a film by themselves. And it, and I, I just kind of, and, and I think in some ways that like just, I mean, it's, yeah, it's speaking to how we think of her, but also in a, sadly in a way, how she like led her life and how lonely she probably was for a lot of it. And, um, yeah. so, I mean, it, 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 it kind of serves that purpose too at the end of the day. And I mean, I, yeah I, I just think all criticism aside i think it's 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 impressive to be able to like make a make a big swing artistically like that that i think like works in a way that like maybe the fetus thing like didn't for me but like i think that that the fetus thing is like a smaller part of the movie as a whole whereas like that really kind of frames how you how you feel about her for almost three hours you know 
Right. And I mean, I think at this point, right, I think we can we can say I when I, you know, when we were talking about this movie before and with the other people that we've talked about it with and Haley and even several reviewers who I think had a negative opinion of the movie, at least can all agree. It's like, oh, this is not the NC-17 nightmare that people thought this was going to be, that she was just going to be in gratuitous sex scenes, the whole movie. I think visually speaking, the the moments of you know of true terror especially presentations of sexual assault were handled quite tactfully i mean i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that i'm an expert on those things obviously not but if i had to you know if somebody had forced me to make that movie uh that'd probably be pretty close to how i would have portrayed it i mean her her abuse uh her assault at the hands of Daryl Zanuck is like 20 seconds of screen time and you mm-hmm. really don't see much. Yeah. It's not, it's not sexualized. It's not certainly not from his perspective. Uh, and similar with the uh, quote unquote climactic yikes uh, scene with JFK. Uh, I thought that scene was done actually exceptionally well as a scene of like, true horror that doesn't across come across as feeling lurid or leering uh i mean like it's a great portrayal of dissociation like she yeah no i I don't disagree with that up until that point though i was like i I don't know why this is nc-17 and that point i'm like okay i kind of get why it's nc-17 because i quite don't know if i've ever seen a a sexual act quite that graphic in a rated r movie off the top of my head um even that scene you really don't you don't like as far as you know it, you know mpaa talks about like bits and bobs and you don't really you see, see you see a little little bit of you know a you little see bit. some uh, you see some shaft um, a little bit if we will uh, yeah. but you know that i i think this movie got it frankly i think the movie got its nc-17 rating for two reasons first of all the abortion the amount, stuff the abortion stuff but all you know the amount of time quote in again this is going to take time gratuitous but like the amount of time that anadarmus is is uh topless on screen really which i think that has, i, I think like that I've, seen, I feel like I've seen so many i feel like i've seen so many rated r movies with like where the there's just so much more gratuitous nudity than that you know i don't know if there was more like literal more screen time that's the kind of thing that mpaa gets oh, really? gets all obsessed about is like actual seconds on screen okay. um because that's the only way that they i mean look we could have a whole other hour-long conversation yeah, about yeah. how the mpaa is insane but um you know, I and even then that makes it sound like it was like every minute of the movie she was topless, but it really wasn't. It was not a very significant amount of screen time. I think really the bulk of it comes from the abortion scenes and specifically the implication of a internal POV view of a woman's vagina with yeah, uh, you know that was, a, that, was, that, was, that was a choice we didn't quite get into in the same way we did with the fetus, but that was certainly a that was certainly a choice he made. Yeah, I mean, but again, I, I think so that goes the, to what, I, what we were saying before about like, hey, like this is not looks supposed to look pleasant, you know? Certainly not, right? Um, and and I, uh, in a way, I so I sort of had this spoiled for me ahead of time. I knew early on that the NC-17 rating was not... I, I knew that it was, quote-unquote, not just for sexual content, that it was also for a supposedly a rather horrifying scene involving uh, 
either a woman's uh, menstrual cycle or a woman's abortion. I, I, you know, wasn't exactly specific, but I knew that that scene was there. Um, and I was honestly surprised that it wasn't, it didn't go further. And in, in a way, I almost kind of wish it had, because it, as it feels now, it sort of feels, uh, it feels edgy for edgy's sake. But I think you could really get across more of a sense of body horror, right? By actually kind of extrapolating that scene a little bit more. I'm not saying it necessarily would have been better. I don't think it was necessary really at all because I don't think that, you know, body horror is, uh, you know, th that body horror is part and parcel to what this movie is really saying about abortion. So that's why I don't, I, you know, I could have probably done without those scenes in their current form. Uh, because like I said, I just don't, I think the movie's discussion of abortion is way, way more like cosmic and <laughs> talking about like, you know, the utility of a person's life. And it doesn't really have anything to do with like the, the actual dynamics of getting an abortion. She, you know, Marilyn in this film is portrayed as being horrified of them because they've been out of her control um, and they have to be presented as monstrous because of that. Uh, and they certainly are. But I don't it's not really it, it doesn't really have much to do with the overall discussion of of abortion, of of ending a life. And so, yeah, I I wasn't blown away by the way it was presented. I did wasn't. You know, I didn't find it to be disgusting. You know, the first time it popped up on the scene, on the scene, Haley definitely recoiled from it. And I'm sure she is not the only one. I am sure that was a, a much more uh, universal response than any, and any, any of the two people on this call could probably relate to or imagine. Sure. Um, I'm with you there. I mean, oh, you know, I, the other, only other thing I'll add to that is like on the, on the JFK scene, like that might have been where I recoiled a little bit. Um, but at the same time, like simultaneously, I was like, I kind of respected him going there. Like, just I mean, I'm not. That's uh, what I mean, though, about talk about like the scene from Pearl and the idea of repulsion to a scenario being part of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I hated simultaneously hated the JFK scene and thought it was fantastic. Everything mm -hmm. that it communicates, it does so well. And the, the notion of dissociation, like, I don't know that there's been a better portrayal of that. And the language of it is it, there, you know, I don't want to say lucky, but it's like you can, it's a, it's an easy, it was a, it's a good uh, way to portray it in the scene for those who need a refresher, right? Um, she is forced by JFK to perform a, a sexual act on him. And... She does so, and the movie kind of cuts to like a theater, and that's that scene being projected onto a screen with an audience, and it felt to me like a very apt portrayal of dissociation. The idea that this mm. this act is so humiliating and unbelievable to her that she can't she can't she can't believe it's real. Like it's it's almost like it's not happening to her. Yeah, I mean. It's it's kind of, it's like it's it's almost implied that they've like already had they've had some ongoing relationship at that point in the movie, but like, but at the same time, it's like 
in spite of that, she's still so confused by what he's, he is asking her to do in the moment that she then, you know, like you said, disassociates in some way that, you know, it only, it, it, it just only like goes downhill from there. And I, I think like, again, like, yeah, I recoiled and yeah, it's a good uh, example of dissociation, but like, I, I, I honestly think like the, the thing that like stood out to me is just like, I, even if like some of the choices Andrew Dominant makes with throughout this movie don't work for me, I was just like kind of impressed with the audacity. Like he knows he's going to like, that's going to, he just knew that that was going to like elicit something from a lot of people. And he's just like, I don't care. I want to go there. So part of me just kind of like respected his boldness in that way. Any in, in that, in that regard anyway. And, but yeah, it, Elijah, we've, we've been going for uh, almost an hour and a half now. So I don't want, I don't want to, we got, we got, we got things to do and beds to sleep in, but like, I, I'm one, I, I, I know this, uh, you had a lot of thoughts on this movie. So I wanted to like, kind of give you one last chance here before we signed off. Is there anything else about blonde that we didn't touch on that you did want to speak about? Yeah. I mean, I think we've, we've generally pretty much hit all of it. I, uh, I know that, you know, we've kind of, kind of talked about, you know, I've, I've mentioned the, you know, my takeaways of the overall messaging of the film. And that's something I would stick by. And I think it's, I think it's an important lens for people to maybe consider here is that we, when we think about uh, people's lives, we are inclined to try to find some balance. Right. And, and I think that's the natural reaction. It's kind of given us the response to this film. Right. People don't want to view Marilyn Monroe's life as sad um, or as all sad. But I think there are there is there is something to be said about confronting confronting the fact that Marilyn Monroe chose to kill herself. Um maybe it wasn't choice, maybe it was an accident, maybe she accidentally overdosed. The fact of the matter was she was put on a collision course with that fate, um, you know, by her own choice. And when these things happen, because they do happen in real life, it's important not to turn away from it. It's important to reconcile with the things that made this happen. And I don't mean this in a 13 reasons why kind of way, like everybody who is participating in this person's life needs to feel bad and needs to, you know, be permanently scarred by these things. Again, we are 60 years out from the death of Marilyn Monroe. Nobody alive today has had a serious relationship with Marilyn Monroe outside of a parasocial one. And I think it's important that we're this far out this is a person who has been deified in in pop culture and she was extremely talented and she was very smart and very ambitious and very uh very beautiful and at the same time she still killed herself she still ended her own life and I think it's I think it's really callous to avoid that conversation. And I think as uncomfortable as this movie makes people, it's an important conversation to have because if the last five years have taught us anything, if the 
trailer for the true true life procedural thriller about Harvey Weinstein that I saw before this movie is is any indication the things that uh led to Marilyn Monroe's downward spiral are still around today sure and I don't think we get anywhere by trying to avoid talking about them and if the if they're too difficult for somebody to talk about I have I don't blame them at all but it's are you saying are you saying I should have we should have already discussed more about that point specifically or do you mean that like everything we just talked about is what led to that and you just have to kind of like kind of yeah I just want to put a, just want to put a punctuation avoid. on it yeah. right yeah that's yeah yeah I mean it's it's certainly something where it's like I would say I would say that's why I don't I if we're gonna round it out bring it back to yeah. the beginning that's why I don't think this movie is exploitative because I think exploitation is benefiting from somebody's life without you know reconciling what their life was and marilyn monroe's life was not happy the the summation of her life was not happy and i don't think it's exploitative to to say that yeah and man i i I haven't seen enough of the other movies about her to like really be able to comment on like where those came down on that and i mean i don't know if anyone has tried this kind of biopic about her before um and necessarily like as i, I know my week with Marilyn's like it's, it's a week uh <laughs> I, I, I mean and I, I know there's been other stuff but like i don't know if anyone's tried it in this comprehensive a form but like you know if someone tried to do it and like make it anything other than you know tragic i don't think that would be like completely honest so at the end of the day you have to kind of like respect that like andrew dominic at least you know had the gumption to go there in that way and we can debate all day just exactly how successful he was as i think you've heard i might have a, a few more quibbles with how he told the story than elijah did but like at the same time i don't really fault him for making it as dark as he did and as uncomfortable as i was at certain points and you know if you're someone that like you know or if you i mean if no one's listening at this point if they didn't watch the movie i'm guessing but like if you know if I think if you if 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 you came away kind of conflicted about like how how exploitative this actually was or how it treated her, I think I think you can gather from where Elijah and I are coming from that like I don't think I think if you watch this with the right framing understanding, like I think you can understand that this isn't something that's like we don't think it's something that's like exploiting her in a way that you should feel uncomfortable about taking it in, even if you're not going to feel good about taking it in. Yeah, you know, you're just not it's it's not a feel good movie, and you just got to accept that but if you think you might get something out of it either artistically or learn something about her there's value in it and i don't think you should feel bad about watching it or supporting it because of what you might perceive based on the reaction you've seen as to just like what it is what it is doing to her you know legacy slash memory you know so yeah i i appreciate i Elijah, i appreciate appreciate you being so generous with your time on this I think Ben Lubin's going to be jealous that you probably have just smashed any record for the longest podcast for a single guest talking about one movie. Um, but before you get out of here, is there any anything else you've been watching recently that you want to recommend or anything else that, you know, re- related to this subject matter even that you'd want to recommend or similar stuff in similar genres or anything like that? Yeah, gosh, uh, spooky season is upon us. So oh, I've yeah. obviously been taking some horror movies, but I think... Mm-hmm. I want to call out another movie that I really liked. 
another movie that is equally as miserable that I think uh, is going to sure. maybe um, would would maybe upset some people, but I think is another film that is very similar to this one uh, in a lot of ways. That's uh, Antonio Campos's 2016 film, Christine. Um, Ooh, I've, I've, it's been on like one of my watch lists for a while and I just haven't done it. Yeah. So as somebody who grew up in, in Florida, in central Florida, uh, whose mother is a journalist, obviously the, the story of Christine Chubbuck is one that you grow up hearing. Uh, I know for a lot of people it wasn't. Um, in fact, I would argue most people have probably never heard of Christine Chubbuck. Uh, if you're a real deep internet denizen, you might have heard of her before she was uh, a TV reporter in the 1970s who uh, struggled with depression um, and ended up uh, shooting herself in the head live on television uh, in the middle of a broadcast. And it's another film that I think, you know, it makes it an extremely depressing but valuable companion piece, probably, to uh, to Blonde, you know, both in, a, in its subject matter and in its execution and obviously in kind of being stories about really tragic and horrible things that we obviously still need to confront because uh, the problems that underlie both stories have not gone away. Yeah, just as That's available talking, on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, just as you went on there, I was like, where have I had that? And I went on Netflix and it's been on my, it's literally been on my Netflix like watch list for like, honestly, I think, like over three years at this point it's like i know it's something i have an interest in in theory watching at some point but it's like when are you ever like in the mood to go watch the movie about the person that like you know shoots himself you know and when you like already know that's where it's headed uh so it's like i i'm it's good to know that like at least someone else recommends it because I, I can't remember where i even heard of like someone telling me it was good more just like oh that's something where i could see myself getting something out of it but like I never actually like felt like putting myself in the space to do it. But like maybe I'll be a little more likely to do it now that someone has actually given me a more direct recommendation for it. Um, I'll recommend I'll recommend something that's also disturbing, but for different reasons. I think you should, guys should uh, if 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 any if anyone likes horror, I think uh, Smile is worth seeing. Uh, you know it's uh, you, you know you probably saw the trailer and you know that gives away a couple of the kind of uh you know um more memorable parts of the movie but like there's like plenty of other stuff in there that's really fun i highly recommend seeing it as soon as you can because movies like that they're more fun to see at an audience i've like had a growing appreciation for seeing horror movies with the right crowds recently after seeing barbarian by myself but like with the but not with going by myself to see it but seeing it in a rel relatively crowded theater i just like I'm, I'm appreciating like horror as that kind of movie going experience and i think smile is one where you will get similarly like appreciate seeing it with the crowd so try and do that and our, our, fr our friend gage who has recently joined us for two different horror movies he uh he recommended uh that i uh or he actually like you know basically like booked his own girlfriend on for me as a guest uh because his girlfriend andrea is a mental health counselor and the lead the lead uh character in that movie is a mental health counselor and i think there could be some interesting stuff to talk about someone that knows that subject matter a little better even if like you know i don't think uh your average mental health counselor has dealt with the problems that this one does in this movie so that'll be a fun <laughs> podcast for people to th th that'll be a fun podcast for people to listen to uh once we once they get around to it and it should be coming out within uh in theory a couple weeks after people are listening to this so elijah uh we referenced your letterbox about 15 times in this because like i said you so uh smartly wrote about uh this movie but if people want to find it where can they do that yeah my letterbox is uh at mr smith goes to the number two fl like florida um 
But I also want to uh, mention Haley's uh, letterbox because yes. we also mentioned hers a few times. Uh, she's just Haley. Um, but her, I think the username is like HJ3876. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, I would, I she consistently writes way better reviews than I do most of the <laughs> time because for like serious movies where she has something to say or where we where we have something to say she you know actually waits a day or two and collects her thoughts instead of just word vomiting <laughs> like I do um so I uh I would I would highly recommend giving her a follow um I think it feels fitting in this conversation uh as well to yeah I, know, I look I, forward I to and lift up her voice here so. i look forward to reading the novel she just posted on the woman king uh because i know she knows that subject matter pretty well and i still haven't actually written my thoughts on it or done my podcast on it yet so uh please do that and uh yeah as usual i'm josh jernavoy j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-i on both twitter and letterbox on uh podcast twitter is at round movie pod podcast email is the round movie pod at gmail.com so send feedback that way uh coming up next on the podcast i'm like I said, I'm going to have one on Smile with a first-time guest, and uh, I'm going to hopefully do one on uh, on Bros with our friend John Police, who hasn't been on the podcast since the very beginning of this year, I'm pretty sure, and I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm going to Italy in a couple weeks with my family, and I'm like hoping to just like record a bunch of stuff before I go, and I just don't know what I'm going to squeeze in. So I don't really want to promise anything uh, beyond those right now. But uh, again, for anyone that stuck with Elijah and I all the way to this point in this episode, uh, thank you so much. I know this wasn't like the most fun movie to watch, even if you did like it. So to spend another hour and a half, uh, you know, thinking about it, uh, I appreciate the time from you guys as well as Elijah. So thanks to everyone who listened. Thanks to Elijah for joining, and we will see you next time.